We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. Joining the podcast to preview the Baltimore Orioles is Connor Newcomb from the Locked On Orioles podcast. He came on in March, right after we learned everything was shutting down. I just listened to that episode uh, this week because I wanted to refresh myself on what we talked about. And you, <laughs> I kind of feel bad even bringing this up. You were talking about how the Orioles are probably going to set a record for the lowest win total in history, you know, maybe 45, 50 games. Well, now it's going to be like 12 games, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I've I've gone on record um, and said 19 is my prediction for the Orioles, and I think that's only because just the weirdness that will be this 60 game season. I don't think we'll get a team that wins eight, nine, ten games just because uh, you know there'll just be so much weird stuff going on that I think weird wins could happen for some bad teams. Yeah, that's fair. I could see that happening. I mean, even the exhibition games, which have felt more like baseball than the inter-squad games, it's just weird stuff goes on. Like, I don't know if you saw this last night in the Yankees-Phillies game, there was a fourth out and Aaron Judge hit a home run because the pitcher just needed a couple extra pitches. Not yeah, that that would uh, happen in a real game, but just like weird shit's going on. Yeah, the Orioles played the Phillies uh, in their first exhibition on Sunday, and uh, the Phillies wanted one more guy to get some work in. So they said, let's play a top of the 10th, oh. even though the Orioles were up four to one. And the O's said, OK, we'll uh, we'll send up Ryan Mountcastle, one of their top prospects. And he, uh, 
he went yard on the first pitch of the 10th inning. So it technically didn't count, but uh, he got himself a home run. Nice. So I guess that must be a Phillies thing. Joe Girardi's just getting his guys yeah. extra work anyway. He can. He's, he's making stuff up. Yeah. Um, well, you've been, uh, I just asked you, you've been doing a podcast this whole time. So have I. What, what did you, what have you found to be the most challenging thing other than just bitching about the, the annoying owners and players negotiations? I mean, yeah, that's that's challenging. The fact that not only is there not games, but there's a full transaction freeze during that time. So it's you can't even get those little like even five minutes of your podcast is dedicated to this four A player just, you know, went from the big leagues back down to triple A today just to yeah. get something rolling. Um I will say the draft helped immensely for for podcast content, especially with a rebuilding team and with fans a lot more focused, at least from an Orioles perspective on what's going on in the draft. But uh, I would say just having to look outside of a sport that is usually being played on the field every day and now having it not at all and still producing content. Well, I guess that's sort of something you're going to have to deal with though, even as an Orioles podcast, because while what happens on the field is the action and important, you guys are set, you have your sights set on five years down the road anyway. Yeah, it's 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 more about, you know, what's going on in the minors. And that's the other thing this year. We might get 60 games of Major League Baseball for lucky, but we're not getting any minor league baseball. Um, we don't know how much of any of these prospects we're going to see from the Orioles uh, in these games in, in the player pool. So it's you know, you can't even say, hey, the Orioles lost to the Yankees eight to one tonight. But Adley Rutschman hit two home runs in double A buoy. And, and let's focus on that instead. So uh, they took just a, just another layer. I noticed, I think I saw something, they only took 44 out of the possible 60, right? Yeah, they started with 44. They're up to 54 now um, out of the 60. They've added guys, but most of the guys that they've added, they sent directly to their secondary camp, um, which is down in Bowie. Yeah, how have they handled the summer camp overall? Uh, Well, I mean, I've talked to a couple of the beat writers on our podcast, and uh, health and safety-wise – um, it's been, you know, great reviews for, for what's been going on inside of Camden Yards. Um, two players tested positive, uh, before summer camp started, uh, Dwight Smith Jr. and Anthony Santander. Um, Anthony's back in the lineup already and Dwight Smith just started working out again. Um, and, and so that's been at least safety wise, it's, it's gone pretty well. Yeah. That's a wild card in this whole thing is once these teams start (laughs) traveling city to city, what, what's going to happen? Um, I think they're set up to where they can handle a few guys on each team testing positive, but if it ravages a clubhouse, then like, what do you do? You have to shut the whole, you have to shut that team down essentially. Which is my biggest concern of, of this season happening. I mean, it's great that this summer camp worked out and it was pretty safe for everybody. I mean, it's great. These exhibitions are working out. Teams are basically playing the teams that are closest to them, you know, like especially for the Orioles and the Nats or the, or the, the Yankees and the Mets, it's it's super easy to just play them a couple times and, and get some baseball. Um, but if you're MLB, yeah, it's a great thing that you're having the East play the East and the the West play the West, but Boston still got to go to Tampa and go to Miami. And that's, you know, a a pretty far distance to travel and you're sending teams down to Florida right now, uh, which is the other issue. And you can't even go to Canada. We don't even know where the blue Jays are. They're TBD. That's another issue in the AL East as well. I think the AL East might have the most questions just about travel and, and safety. 
Um, so it's, it's still got me, uh, I think we're gonna get an opening day. I don't know anything after that. It's amazing though, that it's, we're three days away from opening four days before the Blue Jays play their first game and they don't know where their home stadium is going to be. I know they have a little extra time because they don't open at home, but that's just so typical baseball. Like, oh yeah, it's happening this week, but like question mark, let's just pencil that in as question mark. Yeah, I think they're on the road for a week, but think about if they were supposed to be opening up at the Rogers Center this Friday night. What what they'd what have would to be go to plan? Florida, right? They'd have to do yeah. their their spring training complex cuz that's the only thing you can get on a emergency notice. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are the goals um I guess same is it the same goal for a 60 game season for the Orioles as it was in a 162 game season? Yeah, it's it's get some guys out there um and and lose but uh, I, I will say it's interesting because, you know, in the player pool, there's some of these guys. The Orioles had a really good double-A rotation last year. They had, I think, the best record in double-A baseball last year. Um, and they had, they had basically had seven starting pitchers who all had ERAs like under four. Um, and those guys might have been September call-ups in 2020. But now at this point, it's like, ah, do we really want to risk it and, and, and bring them up here? And the AAA team wasn't very strong. So it's almost like we're going to see less of the prospect pool in 2020 because of this 60-game season, which means more of guys like Tommy Malone being named the opening day starter, more guys like that getting more time on the field. It kind of becomes even more of a washed season because it means less time for your prospects. Yeah, that's 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 actually the thing for these re- rebuilding teams is you're losing valuable development time and a five-year plan might become a six-year plan. And yeah. that, that's, that's huge for some of these guys, uh, timetables and all that sort of stuff. Um, and who knows, like the, another thing we could see play out interesting is the trade deadline, um, which there is a trade deadline, but I have no clue how these teams are going to approach this trade deadline because you're yeah. really only going to have a handful of teams willing to sell. And then you're going to have likely two thirds of the league, I think could be in it quote unquote. But how, how in it are they to say, you know, if you're a team like, I don't know, go to, go to a team like the blue Jays, maybe, right. Maybe they're in it because they got a good young core, but you don't want to mortgage any of that for, for this year. So you might be in it, but I, I don't think you become, a buyer uh and it's 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 going to be weird for for some of those teams and for the Orioles yeah they'll be sellers if there's a deadline but if you look at this roster i mean hopefully michael givens does enough as the Orioles closer where he'll be a trade piece by that time but other than that i mean it's you know there's not really some veteran guys they could sell off either it's it's kind of a mix of platoon guys and 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 younger guys who, who aren't exactly top prospects yeah one of the guys we talked about when you were on last was Cobb and if he could come back and at least be decent starting pitcher that's a piece that someone might target as a late season acquisition because you know he could be a solid middle of the rotation starter yeah he uh he started the uh exhibition game last night against the Nats uh he struck out five and in four innings he looked pretty good I mean he basically missed all of last season. We really haven't seen him pitch since 2018. Um, and when he was very league average his first year with the Orioles back then, if he's back to anywhere near Tampa Bay Rays, Alex Cobb, um, and he looked like he was getting back there last night, although it's just an exhibition, 
that's really the the other guy you can put on that list for the Orioles if somebody needs a veteran starting pitcher. Yeah, and Mancini opted out. Obviously, he had health complications even before all this, so it makes sense that he opted out. But he could have been, I guess, another trade chip um, if that was the way they wanted to go uh, this season. But I, I just I'm not. I don't really buy that teams are going to be willing to say go in for this season. Not not that it's necessarily. Like not a championship because I think if there's a World Series, it's a World Series, and yeah, some asshole fans will will say it's not a real championship. But I don't know. You try and tell your players that you know, like they're out there competing; they're going to be competing. Yeah, I think more of the all in is going to come with teams saying, you know, hey, maybe our top prospect we wouldn't want to call him up in a regular year, but all of a sudden it's you know 45 games in and and we're in first place. And this isn't going to hurt his service time as much as it usually would. Mm-hmm. And maybe, I don't know, the Rays call up Wander Franco or something like that because they just w- want to go for it. Instead of mortgaging prospects and making a trade, they, they call up a guy like that so it doesn't you know hurt his service time as much. And, and it's going to be a lot more of going for it with the guys you have already. And I think there'll be minor trades, but I don't see a blockbuster happening at all this season. So – you're joking about Tommy Malone being named the opening day starting pitcher. Why? Because, I mean, you had an all-star starting pitcher in John Means last year. Some it, Logic tells me that's the guy to pick for opening day. Yeah, so John Means was named the opening day starter about a week ago, maybe 10 days. Uh, in the time since then, he's been dealing with a fatigued arm, according to Brandon Hyde. Uh, Hyde continuously will say to the media, this is not an injury this is just something we're monitoring. And so a couple days ago, he put us put everybody on watch and said, hey, Means may not be ready for opening day. And then just about an hour ago, they announced that uh, Tommy Malone would get the start. Now, Means may not be ready for the Boston series, uh, the three games to start the year, but seems like he'll get a start in the next series after that. So he's not going to be put on the IL or anything. Uh, the reason for Tommy Malone is that uh, he would be the guy that when Friday comes around for opening day, he would be on regular rest. Oh. Uh, would give him five days of rest. So uh, he was the guy that was thrown in there. It could have been him. It could have been Wade LeBlanc. It could have been Cole Stewart. Uh, some people might not even know some of these names. It could have been Asher Wojciechowski. Um, but it turns out that Tommy Malone, who honestly has been the most uh, successful starting pitcher since summer camp revamped up here in the last month, He's going to get his uh, first ever opening day start. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. A lot of these names with the, the Orioles roster, it's instant Google and go to baseball reference and see, <laughs> oh, they've never three games in the majors. Okay, got it. <laughs> not much of a sample size. Yeah, um, that's uh, you might have to do that with the uh, Tommy Malone's got a good amount of service yeah. time. Not a lot of it's successful, but uh, you might have to do that with a couple of guys in the starting lineup on opening day. I saw an article that Gary Thorne's not going to be on the broadcast this year. That's, I mean, that sucks. He's a, he's a, he's a mainstay with the Orioles. I'm sure fans are pissed off about that. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously what makes the Orioles, you know, sites like awful announcing or sites like I know the athletic did a list and, and that's the reason why the Orioles usually get put in the top 10 of the, of the broadcast crews is because of Gary Thorne and, and Jim Palmer does a great job as the analyst as well. Um, both of them, I think it was kind of a, a two-sided, the, the team saying it, but also them opting out because mm-hmm. of their age. Both are in their 70s. 
um, and just didn't want to even have to come come into the ballpark uh, to to do the home games. Um, and and obviously I get it for them. And and Gary has a a younger kid as well at home. Um, and Jim Palmer missed a couple months of last season uh, with some health issues as well. He was out of the booth for a couple months in the middle of the season last year. Um, so it makes sense for both of them. Uh, the issue is, you know, it, it wouldn't be as much of an issue if this were five years ago and the Orioles were a competitive team. Um, instead, you've got a team that's going to be losing a lot with not a lot of players you know, and fans feel like they need Gary Thorne and Jim Palmer in there. Um, instead, the Orioles, it's going to be a lot of new voices on the broadcasts. Um, and it's upsetting to not have them in there, but uh, y- you know why they did it, and you're hoping that they'll they'll be back in 2021. Well, it's, it's funny because... I'm sure they could figure out a way to do it virtually where he's, he's yeah. remote. I mean, it, you'd lose something because there'd be a slight delay. The Yankees in their exhibition against the Mets over the weekend had Michael Kay calling the game, but he was not at City Field. And it sounded, sounded pretty good in my opinion. You know, not 100%, but it sounded pretty good. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jim Palmer is going to come on some of the broadcasts. They announced plans for him to join via Zoom from time to time. So it's in their plans. Um, but I think with the with the play-by-play, I know they probably just didn't want to risk it. And the other thing is the Orioles hired back in February uh, a bunch of new broadcasters as, you know, pre- and post-game hosts and and sideline reporters and and new analysts and a lot of new names even before, you know, coronavirus hit and they knew they might not have Gary or Jim Palmer. Um, and so I think it gives them a, another chance to get all those new names in there for a shortened season, one where the Orioles won't do a lot of winning um, and with obviously good reason for your your top broadcasters to opt out. Uh, so they'll get them in there. Palmer will be on via Zoom. Um, I know the broadcasters will be in the warehouse at Camden Yards, uh, whether it's home or away games to do the games. Um, but but hopefully at least getting Jim Palmer on Zoom will, will lighten people's spirits a little bit. Um, but... Uh, a, a Yankee guy for a year, uh, Brian Roberts, should get a, a lot of run um, on the broadcast in place of Palmer. He he gets he's always comes up as like one of those random Yankees. Everyone gets to be a Yankee once, and when they're so much more famous for doing something elsewhere. And Roberts was a great player for the Orioles for a long time, and then he had that one miserable year with the Yankees. I I, I actually have written blogs filling out an entire roster of just guys who get to be a Yankee once at the end of their career. <laughs> And it's there's a surprisingly good easy to do. Yeah, there's a good list of them. I was I was at Robert's first game in, in 2014, I believe, his first game back at Camden Yards with the Yankees. Um, and I remember I was like a third of the stadium giving him a standing ovation and the rest of them just being like, why did this guy have to <laughs> have to go to New York? Um, and then he homered in that game, I think. Um, and I know the rest of his time as a Yankee wasn't very successful, but I remember him homering in that game. Well, did the Orioles even want to bring him back? Uh, he, he was so injured, uh, throughout that time. He, he had missed the, you know, the previous two seasons, 2012 and 2013, the Orioles of course made the playoffs the one year and had a winning record, but missed the playoffs the next year. Roberts was supposed to be the starting second baseman, both of those years. And he played about 50, 60 games each year and then missed the rest of the seasons with injury. And I think they just didn't want to continue to pay him knowing that they are going to get less than half of a season out of him. And they were getting, okay production from you know guys they were signing off waivers and then plugging in at second base yeah that was that weird time in the early 2010s where you pretty much could pick up someone off the scrap heap and they could be like a a league average hitter 
which yeah. I feel like is not the case anymore. No, not at all. Yeah, the Orioles were grabbing the the Kelly Johnsons and the Alexei Casillas of the world and just plugging them in, and it was working out okay. Yeah, those utility infielders that just would would be on six teams in five years, and they'd just bounce around from team to team. So so Roberts was gone before the team started to sort of turn things around because fourteen was the year they first made the playoffs, right? So 14 was the, the year they won the division. Uh, 12 was the year they made the playoffs. So Robert oh, right. that was that the team. That was the epic series against the Yankees with yeah. uh, Abanias. Roberts was on that team, but people don't really remember because he didn't play many games that year because he got hurt um, and started really dealing with his concussion issues that year. Um, so he was with the team for a lot of the season in the dugout. He just wasn't on the field. Um, and then he basically played the first half of the season that next year in 2013, then got injured again. Um, and then the, the O's let him walk, and he ended up a Yankee the next season. Well, I mean, I can't wait for John Means to be a Yankee in 2029 so he can start three <laughs> games, and I can add him to the list. Um, there you go. I asked you last time who you're most looking forward to watching. You said Austin Hayes. Is that still your answer? That is still my answer. Uh, he, barring any injury that could happen tonight, please don't let that happen. He did get hit by a pitch uh last night or two nights ago but he's uh he's back in the exhibition lineup for tonight um he's gonna hit lead off and start in center field on friday at fenway park um and he gave the Orioles an exciting month when he came up last year um hits the ball well plays a great center field uh he is the center fielder of the future and uh he's one of these prospect guys who is here now for 2020 which there isn't a long list of them most of them are 2021 and beyond and so it's exciting to see him, and he's really the first guy that'll come up and he'll play every day, and you know he'll be around, hopefully, if the Orioles can get good again in the next four years. So that's that's really where the, the excitement comes from for him. Nice, nice. Um, I think that's all I got for questions for the Orioles. Ten games against them. I'm hoping for ten wins, sorry to say. It was 17-2 and two last year, but hoping for ten. My hope is, you know, the Orioles got those two up at Yankee Stadium last year to start the season. Early in the year, too. Uh, when, when John Means was making Stanton and Judge, or, or at least Stanton look silly um, at the beginning of the season. I would like what I would like this year, even if it's one and nine, I would like to get one at Camden Yards. It really hurts For to not win fans. any of the games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It really hurts to not win any of the games at Camden Yards. So I'd like to get one against the Yankees this year. Well, the, the, the thing is, the Yankees are kind of built for Camden Yards. Just, just right-handed yeah, hitters who can hit fly balls. And they're built to hit this Orioles pitching staff. So uh, it's it's a win-win for New York. All right, Connor. Well, I appreciate the time. Go follow Connor on Twitter. Uh, what's your Twitter handle? I didn't write it down. I thought I did. At uh, Connor Newcomb underscore. Just pop an underscore at the end of my name. Nice. All right. Appreciate the time, man. All right. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.